So as you guys know, we, we have been in a series um, entitled Grace and Faith. And we've spent a lot of time talking about the grace side of grace and faith. Today we're going to continue to go deeper. Last week we, we, we looked at um, what, is the, what is the response of grace. When you see the grace of God, what, what response does it, should it trigger within us? And we've been reading the scripture over and over again because this really is the anchor point to um, understanding how we receive everything from God in our, in our life. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We are not saved by grace. We are not saved by faith. We are saved by grace through faith. It's grace and faith combined that saves us, that brings salvation. Salvation needs two ingredients. Salvation needs grace and it needs, the fa- and it needs faith. We are not saved by grace alone and we're not saved by faith alone. It's a combination of the two and so many people don't understand that. And the same way that you are saved is the same way now that we are to live. We are to live by grace through faith. Grace, understand, what is grace? We've been talking about this. What is grace? Grace is what God does. Grace is what God does independently from anything that we had to do with it. Right? This new covenant that we enjoy, that we live in, was done 100% by God. How is that? It was done, it's a covenant made between God and Jesus. See, the old covenant was, be, was done between the children of Israel, men, and God. Right? And what, what did that covenant produce? It, 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 it was weak, and it was not able to bring the righteousness of God that God intended. It wasn't able to bring the freedom from sin, death, and the grave. It, but, and it, the... Israelites continued to break that covenant. They were disobedient. And because they were disobedient of the covenant, the curse came upon them. And they were brought into captivity. But this new covenant, the covenant that God intended from the very beginning, was made between Jesus and God the Father. And Jesus is never going to break this covenant. And God's never going to break this covenant. So it's an everlasting covenant. And we get to enter in. See, that covenant was given to us by grace. And we enter into that covenant by faith. Right? And last week we looked at faith and how faith is a response to the grace of God. See, a lot of people get really stressed out. They get really uneasy when you start talking about faith. What does faith mean? You know, do I even have enough faith? Do I need to get more faith? Well, as you know, because we teach this here, is that when you were born again, you were given the measure of faith. Not a measure, the measure of faith. In your born-again spirit, you have the faith of God. It's supernatural. It's a grace. It's a gift of grace. And in you, you have faith. But the problem is, is most of us have unbelief. We have faith in our spirit, but we have unbelief in our minds. Right? And that's why James talks about a a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and he should not expect to receive anything from God. How how are we double-minded? We're double-minded because in our spirit, in our spirit, we have 100% faith towards God. But in our soul, our mind, will, and emotion, we have doubt. We have unbelief. See, you're a triune being. You are a spirit who has a soul that lives in a body, right? And the goal is that after you're born again is to renew your mind, renew your soul, renew your mind, your will, and emotions to who you now are in Christ Jesus. And and, and that's what, what we have in Christ Jesus is all by God's grace. 
and all we do is receive it by faith. Look at this. We need to know, we need to get on the same page of, of what faith is. Because like I said, we struggle with this idea of what faith. We think it's my faith. And I have to get more faith. And I'm not, I don't have enough faith. It, it, You've got to get you right out of the picture. Because if you're using your faith, guess what? You're never going to have enough faith. It's God's faith that we get to use because His Spirit lives within us. See, here's, the, here's a simple, simple biblical de definition of what faith is. Faith is your positive response to what God has already done by grace. Faith is just your positive response to what God has already done by His grace. You can't have faith for anything that God has not already done. God does not provide the faith for you to, to, to have faith for anything that He has not already done. Faith is just believing God. It's, it's, it's as simple as it is. Faith really is nothing more than a child that says, my daddy, he said this, and the other kids are going, no, he didn't. He's not going to do that. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. That's faith. It's trusting in your heavenly Father and what he has already done in Christ Jesus. Uh, I, this, is, this is so vital that we understand this. Faith, again, faith is your positive response to what God has already done by grace. So what would be a negative response to what God has already done by grace? Unbelief. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 10, it says, There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divi uh, div divination, one who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens or sorcery. Now, you're probably thinking, what does this scripture have to do with what we're talking about today? Years ago, and, and they're still this way in the church, that the church goes crazy about things that happen in, in, in our culture. Harry Potter, remember Harry Potter coming out? And it was just crazy. You know, our kids are going to be sorcerers and witches and all these, all these things. And we, we are so concerned about what the world is doing, but it's time that the church takes an inner look at what we're doing within the church. Because most people, the way that they see faith, it's nothing more than witchcraft and sorcery. See, we, we Christians are not pagans. We don't practice sorcery we don't, or witchcraft, but there, but there are so many that do not understand what faith is and that is exactly what many are doing in the church. They're, they're attempting to cast spells and incantations in an attempt to get to God to move. I'm going to probably, if, you, if, you're, if, if those that are in the charismatic camp and those that are, were raised in the word of faith, you know, you, you, you're going to have a good chance to be offended today. But get through the offense. Because the truth is on the other side and it'll set you it'll set you free. See, many think that they can if they just say the right words, if I just say the right words at the right time, and then the right amount of times, then I can get my deity to move on my behalf and we can have anything we desire. Doesn't that sound like witchcraft? That's not faith. That's sorcery. Faith is not something you, get, you do to get God to respond. Faith is not you getting God to respond to you. This is a deception that many in the body of Christ are under, especially those that emphasize faith, what we must do. Now, grace is what God does, right? Independently of us. And faith is what we do. And there are people 
We talked about this. There's Calvinists that believe that God controls everything, that there's nothing that happens in the world that he's not in control of. He predestines you to go to eternal bliss or, or eternal hell, and, and your hell on earth or your blessing on earth is all predetermined by him too. And then you have the Arminian camp over here that it's all about faith. we got to get God to move. You have to confess. You have to repent. You have to do all these things to be blessed by God. And I'm here to tell you, as we read in Ephesians, it's not the grace of God, it's not the faith of God, it's grace through faith. It's both of them together. They make, they make, we make statements, maybe you've heard some of these. We need to pray until God moves. We need to bombard the gates of heaven. That sounds like war talk. Are we at war with God? We need to have a 24-hour prayer vigil. Have you ever heard of one of those? Have you been involved in one of those? Have you been in there for about 20 minutes and then ran out of things to pray? I have no problem with praying all night, just as long as you've got something to say. If you don't have nothing to say, it's witchcraft. You're just trying to do things. It's religion. It's works of the flesh. You're trying to do things to get God to, to move. We need to fast until God acts. This is no different than the priests of Baal and what they did on Mount Carmel with Elijah trying to get fire to come down and consume the altar. They, but they cut themselves, they cried out, they did sacrifices. Ours might not be as brutal, but it's the same exact thing. It's the same attitude. In Mark eleven twenty three, 23, it says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. For many, this is the only verse that they know about faith. This is the only one that they've talk, heard taught. This is the only one that they reference when it comes to faith. And this is, and what they do is they focus on what we must do. We must do. We must confess. We must believe. We must do these things. Some even go as far as believing that we are forcing God to move or act. And that's where phrases like, faith moves God come from. That's a great Facebook post, right? Faith moves God. But think about it. Do you really think that your faith can get God to do anything? If I just have enough faith, if I just say the right prayer, then God has to move. What people have to understand is that we don't need God to move. God's not the one that's stuck. God's not stuck. God moved before there was ever a problem. Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God, slain before the foundations of the earth. God had an answer. He had a solution to all of the world's problems before we even took that bite from that forbidden fruit. And on and, and top of it, for us, living today in 2022... Jesus provide everything you would ever need before you were ever born. 2,000 years ago, God did his complete work, his finished work in Christ Jesus on the cross. And now he is resurrected, seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for his church, for the body of believers. And it is finished, it is complete, there's nothing that is, will ever, ever be added to it. It is done. God has moved. God has moved in Christ Jesus. And it was by His grace, and we get to enter in by faith. Every person that ever needed salvation has already been, been forgiven 2,000 years ago. If you have a loved one that, that, that doesn't know Jesus yet, they need to know the good news. They don't need to know that they're sinners. They need to know that they've already been forgiven by God before they even move towards God. That God chose them before they even thought about choosing Him. 
that Jesus was the propitiation for the entire world. That he is the only sacrifice for all humanity. And that happened 2,000 years ago. You know, so many people say, well, can God, God forgive sins that haven't even happened yet? Yeah. He already has. It's not if he will. It's that he has already. Right? Listen to this. Everyone already already has been blessed with all heavenly blessings in Christ Jesus. You have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. Do you understand that? You are already blessed. You don't need to go out and try to get blessed. You are a blessing going somewhere to happen. Right? You have all the joy that heaven has to offer. You already have it. Where? In your born-again spirit. What's one of the fruits of the spirit? Joy. You have joy. And there's a lot of Christians that need to tell their face. I have joy. We used to sing it. I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. You got to get it out of your heart. That's the best. That's the only singing you're gonna get from me. I'm sorry about that. I have to repent for that. But <laughs> peace. You have the peace that passes all understanding. You have it. But it was given to you by what? Grace. Now, what is what does faith do with that grace? Your positive response to what God has done is that you believe it. You believe it. Whatever you need, it's already been done and delivered to you 2,000 years ago through Jesus Christ. And that's the grace of God. You don't need God to move. You don't need Him to come and touch you or heal you. Let me say that again. You do not need God to come to you and touch you and heal you, God has already provided everything. God, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and God lives in you. You know, there's, so, there's some people that we've been taught, you know, it just seems like my prayers are just not making it through the, the roof. You know what the good news is? Your prayers don't get, have to get any higher than the, the bottom of your nose. Because you have direct access to God in your spirit. The Bible literally says that we are seated with Christ. Where? In heavenly places. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You have been made, the Bible says, one spirit with Him. One means one. You are not a dual spiritual being. That's what baptism... That's what baptisms are. I love talking about baptism. Baptism. It isn't some, just a religious sprinkling of water or dunking of water. It, it's that, that physical carnal act represents something that has been, uh, been done to you in the Spirit. Your spirit that was dead in Adam was made alive to Christ and you were baptized, you were submerged into, you were welded to God, you are children of God. You are one spirit with Him. John says that as He is, speaking of Jesus, so are we in this world right now. See, the problem is, is are we, what's our positive response to that? Are we believing it by faith? You can't make God do anything. God's provided it all. And if, you can, and if you think you can make God move by your faith, you are not being consistent with Scripture. Faith doesn't move God. He already moved by grace. Faith does not move God. God has already moved by grace. Faith does not move God. God has already moved by grace. This should be such great news. We're, we're not, 
fighting against God. We're not trying to, we don't have to try to get God to do anything. We don't have to manipulate God to, to move on our behalf. God says, I have already moved freely. I did it for you. And as a matter of fact, I did it when you didn't even care if I did it or not. Faith, and then faith is just your positive response to what you believe God has already provided. Hear me, if God has not already provided it by grace, then faith can't make it happen. That's why it's so important to know the Word of God. It's so important to know who you are in Christ. It's so important to understand what Christ accomplished through His atonement. To know the full gospel, that Jesus didn't just come to give us a ticket to heaven. As a matter of fact, Jesus didn't even come to bring, take us to heaven. Jesus came to bring heaven to earth. You will not spend eternity in heaven. Earth is our home forever. There's a new heaven and a new earth. This is your home. Get comfortable. Right? God... God did not come. Or God came. God became a man so that men could, could become like God. And what do I mean? Now, now see, when I start talking this way, I don't want you to get off on some weird stuff. I'm not saying that you're God. But I'm saying that you have been made one spirit with God. That you're children of God. That you have been engrafted into God, that you, you are, is something I said? No. And, and uh, you understand that. Jesus became the Son of Men so that we might become sons of God. The Bible calls us sons and daughters of God, children of God. What's your positive response to that? You know, in, in, in the Gospels, it calls Jesus the, first be, the, only, the only begotten Son of God throughout all the Gospels. You know what the Epistles calls Jesus? The first begotten. Why? Because there's a second begotten, and a third begotten, and a fourth begotten, and Pentecost. There's 2,000 begotten. Or three, right? And somewhere down that line, you were begotten of God. You don't need God to move. And faith does not move God. He's already moved by grace. And our positive response to that grace is called faith. So again, in Mark chapter 11, verse 23, it says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and it will be granted to you. See, from this passage, people they take one passage of Scripture, and this is so commonplace with, with those that are in the extreme of extreme grace and extreme faith. They, they just take out little passages and they don't take the whole Scriptures into, into account. And, they, and they, they teach from this that we have the power and authority and, and, and there are certain things that we have to do to see God's will come to pass. And even though that there is a truth in that, many have taken that truth and and. and then take it to extreme, and, and they to the point where they think that they can make God do anything. That they think they can make God do anything, and whatever you say, whatever you want, you just say it and you believe it, that you receive it, and God has to do it. God has to move. That's not faith. That's not biblical faith. Have you ever heard someone say like? We're just going to grab hold of God and not let go until we make the power of God flow. We're just going to grab the throne of God. 
Who do we think we are? This is why, this is what so many are doing when it comes to prayer and interceding for revival. See, there's so many people right now that are praying for revival in our country. Waiting on God to send revival. God, don't you care about our country? Don't you care about this world? Don't, don't, don't you want revival? Think about what we're saying. That we want revival more than God does. That we are waiting on God. Listen, on the day of Pentecost, God sent revival. You have revival in you. To be revived means you to come alive. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. You have now come alive in Christ Jesus. We are carriers. The church is carriers of revival life. The life of God. So I don't think God's waiting on us. Or, or I don't think we're waiting on God to send revival. I think God is waiting on the church to awaken to what they already have in Christ Jesus. And so many people say, well, you know, you read about the revivals in the past and how they, they prayed and prayed and prayed and then finally revival broke out. You know what happened? Revival didn't happen until someone stood up and said, God's here. Someone stood up and started responding positive to what God has already done in Scripture. So does that mean that we don't pray? Yes, we pray. But prayer isn't what you think it is. It's not a religious thing that we do to get God to move. It's communion with God. Paul says, I pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Does, does that mean that he had his list of wants and needs from God and he just constantly was going before God and praying over his wants and needs? No. It means that he practiced the presence of God in his life, and he was in constant communion and fellowship with God. We've, tur we've turned this relationship that God wants with his children into a burden. Most people don't like praying. Why? Because we turn it into a religious act. Revival is here. Revival's in you. What's your positive response to that? See, God is not the one with His arms folded. We need to get God to move, people say. <laughs> we need to pray. We need to repent and cry before the throne. And it's not just enough for us to do it. We need to get hundreds of thousands of people to do it. We get to, have to get millions of people to do it. If we can get that many people doing it, then God has to do something. Do you see? Do you see the foolishness and the folly of saying things like this and believing things like this? We just need to put more pressure on God. We need to pray day and night until God finally releases His power and pours out revival. See, there's a lot of Christians that believe God can do anything, but they don't believe that He's done anything. People might not use these terms exactly, and I might have amplified them a little bit, but this is an attitude. The attitude of, these, of this, these things we've said is prevalent in a large portion of the body of Christ. For verily I say to you, that whoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say to, unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, and ye shall have them. Mark 11.23 is not saying that we can take this spiritual principle and force God to do whatever we want. If this was true, 
You could say, well, I have a desire to fly. I have a desire to fly, and, and, and I'm, you say, so I'm going to jump off a cliff. And I'm going to flap my arms, and I'm going to soar like an eagle. Why? Because Mark 11.23 says I can have whatsoever I say. It's a desire in my heart, and, I can, and it's a whatsoever. Is that true? If, if you interpret this Scripture that way, Because flying is a whatsoever. Now most people understand that you can't use the Scripture like that to jump off buildings. But what we need to understand is why we can't use that Scripture to jump off buildings, to jump off a cliff. Why we can't use that Scripture to fly. Why we can't use the Scripture for any whatsoever we want in life. So why can't we? Why can't we use this Scripture to fly? See. Common sense tells us we can't. But then there are other religious things that we think we can, other whatsoever's that we think we can use it for because they're not going to endanger our life, probably. So if we can't just use the Scripture for any whatsoever, we have to know why we can't use it. See, the answer is, is because we did not receive from... We did not receive this. You didn't receive from God the ability to fly. You do not receive from God based on your faith. You understand? People that take this to extreme, they believe that they receive from God based on faith. We do not receive from God based on faith. We receive from God the same way you got saved, by grace, through faith. If there wasn't the grace provided for the whatsoever, then you can't believe for it in faith. You understand that? Faith only appropriates or, or takes for one's use what God has already provided by grace. If God has not provided it, your faith can't make God do anything. The reason you can't jump off a cliff and fly using your faith or confessing Mark eleven twenty three is because God didn't provide flight in the atonement of Christ. Grace hasn't already provided it. Listen, if you can understand this, this will revolutionize your relationship with God. If you can understand this, it's going to make your life so much easier. You're going to understand what Hebrews means now when it says that we enter into His rest. Mark 11.23 is not saying that you can make God do anything. It is talking about discovering what He has already provided. And if you will believe, faith will reach out and appropriate what God has already provided by grace. When we say that we are trying to believe God and believing that He is going to do this, whatever, whatever it is, fill in the blank, I'm trying to believe God. I'm believing God's going to do this. There is an uncertainty. There's an uncertainty in your faith. When, when you are saying, I'm trying to believe God, or I'm, I'm believing God that He will do this, that puts what He's going to do out in the future somewhere. And that brings an uncertainty to you. Because how can you be totally certain that God's going to do it? Do you understand that? So that brings in doubt and unbelief and makes you double-minded. But when you understand the relationship between grace and faith, it removes the struggle. It, it, it erases the uncertainty because it doesn't put God doing it out in the future. Because how can you doubt, how can you doubt what God has already done? 
You, you understand that? Grace is what God has already provided. Grace is what God's already done. God has already provided salvation for you, correctly? Correct? We don't have to wait to be saved. Today is the day of salvation because he's already provided it. What if the scriptures made it sound like if you believe that God will forgive your sins, if you confess your sins, he might forgive your sins. See, if it's out there in the future somewhere, you can't be confident that it's already yours. But if God has already accomplished it in Christ Jesus and he's already done it, how can you doubt something that's already been done? If I was to give you my cars to my, the keys to my, if I was to tell you the keys are in my car, it's yours. And you kept coming up to me asking me for the keys to my car. I would think that you're nuts. I have already provided the keys to my car. They're in the car. It's yours. Now, what's your positive response to that grace? To receive it. You're not trying to get it from me. It's already given. It's already yours. And that's what grace is. Grace is what God has already done. Grace is already, God has already done it. God does, is not moving. God has entered into his rest. You know, the seven days of cre creation, and on the seventh day, he rested from all his labors, from all his work. He didn't rest because he was tired. He rest because it was done. It was, it's like a painting. You, you, you have a portrait of a, paint, of, of a painting, and the, the painter, he gets, puts one last stroke on it, and he stands back and looks at it, and he sets his brush down. He doesn't set his brush down because it's done because he's tired. He puts his brush down because one more stroke, I could ruin this. This is perfect. It is complete. It is done. And when God created the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rests, it was perfect. But then man fell. And God went back to work again because it was no longer perfect. He went back to work bringing the redemption process into humanity. And now in Christ Jesus, it says in Hebrews, we now enter into that Sabbath rest. Why is God resting right now? Because it's all done. It's complete. And Hebrews talks about this. He talks about how in the temple there was no, there was no chairs for, for the priest to sit because they were serving God day and night. But our heavenly priest is seated at the right hand of God. Why is he seated at the right hand of God? Because there's nothing left for him to do. It's 100% complete. It's 100% done. It's already provided through his amazing grace. Hmm. So if it's grace, it's done. God's already done it. Grace is not some, something that's going to happen. Grace is something that has already been done. Jesus has already saved the whole world. He has already died to forgive our sins and heal our bodies and deliver us from bondage. It's already done. Jesus put it this way. It is finished. Do you see how this can revolutionize your life with God? In 1 Peter 2.24, the apostles understood this. In 1 Peter 2.24, it says, who, speaking of Jesus, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. In Isaiah, it says that by his stripes we are healed. And Matthew quotes Isaiah when, when Jesus was healing the multitudes and casting out devils. It says this was the fulfillment of the prophet Isaiah. He took our infirmities, he bare our sicknesses, and by his stripes we are healed. Look what Peter says. He doesn't say we are healed. He says we were healed. Past tense. Why is it past tense? Because it was already provided in the atonement in Christ Jesus. It's by His grace. Grace 
is, uh, it's already done. If it's grace, it's already done. We don't have to get God to move anything. We just need to believe what God has already done. We need to believe the good news. See, this is a totally, this is a totally different attitude. This is a totally different confidence level in a person who is trusting and relying upon what God has already done versus someone that is trying to God to get, to, trying to get God to do something. You understand that? See, again, let's take it just back to carnal stuff. If you're a kid and you want your dad or your parent to do something, and you have to go ask your parent to do it for will you do this for me? Will you do this for me? They come kind of sheepish. They, they come kind of hesitant. They, they don't know the mood dad's going to be in. They don't know, know the mood mom's going to be in. They don't know if they're going to be gracious or not. They, they don't know if they're going to say yes or they're going to say no. Right? But if you are a truthful parent that always comes through on your word, and you go to your kids and say, we're going to do this, this, and this, how do they act? No, if a kid was coming, can we go to Disney World, Mom? And they, they, there's a hesitant. I don't know if they're going to say yes or no. But if the parents come to the kids and say, we're going to Disney World, what's the different reaction? They're jumping up and down. They're excited. They're packing their bags. Why? Because Mom and Dad said that we're doing it. It's gonna, and if they said we're doing it, it's going to happen. We're going. You understand that? The confidence that that brings, understanding that God has already done it. You know, it's quite crazy to think that a person can make God do anything. But the truth of the matter is, is most man-made religion defies logic. So we need to understand that God, by His grace, has already done everything. Now, if God has to do it, then it's not about entering into his rest. Now, excuse me. Now that, that God has done it, we now get to enter into his rest. We get to rest in Christ Jesus. We don't have to be in turmoil. We don't have to be struggling in faith. We rest in faith. We rest in the finished work of Christ. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Right? All the promises of God find their yes and their amen in Christ Jesus. It's already been done. Faith is nothing more than a matter of reaching out by faith and receiving it. So you find out that by the stripes of Jesus you are already healed. Then it, when you understand that you were already healed, you're not trying to get God to heal you. That's a totally different way of believing. So now you're not warring against God. You're not spending your time getting God to do something. You're warring against sickness and disease. You understand that? If I'm already healed, that means in the spirit realm, I already have the power inside of me. Inside, instead of struggling, we rest in what God has already done. And we speak to the mountain. See? Mark eleven twenty three. We speak to the mountain. Most Christians speak to God about their mountain. Most people think that God put the mountain in their way. Most, most people are saying, trying to get God to move their mountain. And that's not what James, uh, Mark 11.23 says. It says, you speak to your mountain. And why can we have confidence to speak to our mountain? Because God has already done it by grace. We need to stop trying to get healed and start trusting that you've already been healed. Can you see the huge difference in the two? What would happen if, if you lived that way when it comes to forgiveness of your sins? If you were constantly trying, thinking that you had to try to get God to forgive your sins? What a miserable life. That's how most religions of the world are. They're trying to atone. They're trying to constantly get God to forgive their sins and be good enough to make it into whatever paradise they've come up with. Christianity says that God 
chose to forgive your sins before you ever, ever existed. And because He has forgiven your sins, you just receive it by what? Faith. You believe it. And you're not constantly in turmoil wondering if God has forgiven your sins or not. If you understand the Gospel, right? But we've got to understand that the rest of the atonement, the rest of all the promises of God are given the same way in Christ Jesus by grace 2,000 years ago. It is done. It is finished. God's not your problem. When we struggle in our believing and feel like we don't know if we will ever be healed, I don't know if we'll ever prosper, I don't know if I'm ever going to be free from sin. I don't know if I'll ever have joy. I don't know if I'll ever walk free from fear and depression. It's because you don't understand that faith just appropriates what God has already provided. How would that change your outlook if you believed that God has already provided the ability for you to prosper? Like God's on your side. That's a whole different way of living. But we think prosperity is something out there that we have to go find and get and wait on God. Even in the Old Testament, it says that God, He, he empowers you to get wealth. We think that prosperity is just getting an getting a, uh, envelope in the mail with some money in it. no. Prosperity is a, is a way of living life, seeing yourself in life, seeing yourself as a prosperous individual, that your family is process, pro- prosperous, your relationships are prosperous, your mind is prosperous. You, you prosper in the things of God. Why? Because He's already provided by grace. The fruit, read the fruit of the Spirit. All those nine gifts of the fruit of the Spirit are already yours by faith, by, by, by grace. It's been given to you by grace. But do you believe it by faith? Do you know you have patience? There are so many people that they constantly say, I need more patience. No, you don't. You don't need more patience. And then we think that, God, if you ask for patience, don't ever ask for patience because you're going to find yourself in traffic. You're going to find yourself in the longest lines at the um, supermarket. You're going to... No, that's, God doesn't teach us patience that way. He gives it to us by grace. It's you being dependent on the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the lust of the flesh. See, you don't believe what you already have in Christ Jesus. We don't believe that we have peace. We don't believe that we have patience. We don't believe that we have joy. We don't believe that we have faithfulness. We don't have, believe that, that, that we can be gentle. We think that our anger problem is something that we, we get God, have to get God to remove. No, you, you have gentleness. You know, Jesus was, was, was the epitome of gen, the gentleness of God. And what does gentleness mean? Does that mean that you're just a big old wimp? No, it's just like meekness. It's having all power under complete control. Jesus had all the power in the universe, and he was, the, he was meek. He was gentle, and it was under complete control. See, so many people think that we need God to respond to us. And, and when we do everything correctly, when we um, have the right confession, and, and, and when we get enough people doing it, then God will release His power. God does not respond to your faith. Rather, we are to respond to God's grace. We don't receive by grace, nor do we receive by faith but we receive by grace through faith. Amen? This is a totally different way of looking at things. But what's so wonderful about it is it, it, it takes you completely out of the picture and makes you dependent on the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ alone. It's just believing that God has done what the Word of God says He has done and then living like it. You know, James, so many people have a hard time with James, you know, because we're not supposed to be living by works, you know. And he says, faith without works is dead. Can you understand this now? A faith 
If you say that you believe God and God has done this, and you don't have a, a lifestyle that corresponds with that belief, it's not faith. Faith is just a positive response to what God has already done. It's that simple. It's easy. And it, and, and it, and it brings such clarity to know that God is not our problem. There's so many Christians that think God is their problem. Now, we have an enemy in this world. We, live in, we still live in a fallen world. We, 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 wrestle not with, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but principalities. He tells us all about these things. And now we can partner and fight against the kingdom of darkness rather than spending our time bombarding God trying to get Him to do something. It's a huge difference. And I hope you understand it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your grace. And we thank You for the empowerment of Your faith to receive what You have so richly provided in Christ Jesus. We have been given all spiritual things in heavenly places. We have, we have been seated with Christ in, in heavenly places. We, we, we have been uh, called to be ambassadors for Your kingdom. We have been given the gifts of the Spirit. We have been given the fruit of the Spirit. We have been given the mind of Christ. We have been given righteousness, hallelujah, and holiness. We have been set aside by Your grace. Heavenly Father, we thank You that we have been set free from bondage. We have been set free from, from the curse of this world. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. We are free in Jesus' name. Help us to believe the grace, to believe what You've already done. May we embrace that grace with the positive response of faith and to see Your glory manifest in our life. We receive this and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www www.charisntc.org And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.